Hey Bulls Nation, Happy New Year, and welcome back to another episode of the Rebuildable Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Matt Gentile. It's been a while since I've taken the microphone and talked about our Chicago Bulls with you. Hopefully, you're safe, healthy, and enjoying this stretch of Bulls basketball. Because let me tell you something, since the last time we've spoke, it's been pretty amazing, hasn't it? I mean, Bulls right now are 25-10. and 10. They sit atop the Eastern Conference. I think if you had told me when the season started, the Chicago Bulls would have the number one spot in the East and be 15 games over 500, I don't know if I would have believed you. And I thought the Bulls were going to have a solid season. I thought it would take a little while for all this to come together, but I'm stunned. And I don't know about you, but I'm loving every single minute of it every night. You know, I said a few episodes ago that the Bulls had become appointment television for the first time in years, and and there's no doubt about it. I am locked in almost every night the Bulls are on. Not that I wasn't before, but there's a different feeling. It's appointment television. It's not something you're dreading or you just kind of put on as background noise. They're appointment television. You want to sit down and watch DeMar DeRozan do his thing. You know, DeMar DeRozan was somebody who was a a panned free agent signing. We've talked about it a lot. You've heard it on other Bulls podcasts you listen to. You've read it everywhere. A lot of the national guys didn't like the signing. They thought that you have a guy who's in his 30s, plays an old style of basketball, right? Mid-range guy. And here he is taking on crucial minutes, becoming a closer for the Chicago Bulls, right? He's got that new nickname, the King of the Fourth, and he really has been the King of the Fourth. And we saw two games on New Year's Eve and New Year's Day where DeMar hits two cold-blooded, contested, three-point shots to win games. That's what's so encouraging about this team, right? You have DeMar DeRozan. You have Zach Levine, who continues to improve and is one of the most now efficient players in the NBA statistically, right? Two top 10 scorers in Levine, DeRozan. Nikola Vucevic is starting to come into his own. Like, the things that you needed for this to all go well are going the right way. Right? And we, we know Lonzo Ball's impact right, as a facilitator and as a defensive presence on the floor. And even as a spot-up shooter, you look at a guy like Alex Caruso, who's been banged up during latest stretch during this eight-game winning streak, but... He's somebody that has brought, I think, life to the second unit. Io DeSumo has brought life to the second unit. And that was something I don't even think I thought was possible. I thought this was somebody who'd be sitting in the G League at this point in the season. But he's putting together meaningful minutes. And I think one of the most underappreciated or underrated aspects of this latest winning streak for the Chicago Bulls has been Kobe White. As guys were kind of coming in and on the lineup here due to COVID protocols and injuries, Kobe White has really stepped up. And I've said it before that Kobe White is, I think, crucial to that second unit because he provides the spark of offense. And you've seen this coaching staff, whether it's been Billy Donovan or Chris Fleming stepping in for Donovan's absence. Kobe White is somebody that if he's rolling, you want him going with the rest of your key players, right? So even with this team full strength and Kobe White returning to the bench, he's somebody that could see crucial minutes down the stretch, maybe even closing out games if he's scoring at the clip 
that he's been scoring at recently. And look, this team, I'm starting to rethink what the ceiling is for this team. I thought coming into the year, maybe a second or third seed at the very best because other teams get injuries, there's load management, maybe the Bulls find themselves in that upper tier because of that. But at one seed, maybe we need to start thinking Eastern Conference finals aspirations, maybe even getting to the finals, maybe even possibly winning a championship. I don't know. I think there's some other things that have to happen with this team. I've mentioned it on some of the previous episodes, and it's been, I think, a problem for the last month or so. Is there enough depth in terms of rim protection or at the power forward spot? They can add a key piece. You know, names that have been thrown out. I mean, there's been names like Harrison Barnes and Jeremy Grant that have been thrown out there, and those would be great additions. But they're going to take assets to get those kind of guys. So I don't know if it's realistic. I mean, if you added one of those pieces, that adds a whole other wrinkle to this team. And that would be a tough unit to take down in a seven-game series. You know, even as currently constructed, this team is a team that no other team in the Eastern Conference would want to face in a seven-game series. And that's really encouraging in year one of this revamped roster. You know, another name floating out there recently is DeMarcus Cousins. He just got waived by the Milwaukee Bucks and was really productive in his stretch there, but they've chosen to move on from him. Could he be somebody that you bring in to help add a little extra pop to your half-court offense and be another body to defend some of these bigger guys in the Eastern Conference, like a Joel Embiid, who you could run up against in the playoffs? So let's address that today. Do you think this is a team that is an Eastern Conference contender, a championship contender, as currently constructed, or do they need another piece or two to get over that hump to get to that point? We're going to talk about that with our guest in today's episode. Joining me from Bleacher Nation is Patrick Flowers. Patrick is a jack of all trades. He writes about all the different teams in Chicago sports, but I'm sure he's going to be focusing a lot more on the Chicago Bulls now, especially as they try to maintain that top spot in the Eastern Conference. So let's bring him in now. Patrick, how are you? Thanks for coming on. I'm doing great, Matt. Thanks for having me. So you're the first person I'm talking to coming off a very long hiatus. So if I'm rusty, forgive me. We'll get through it. We'll get through it together. We got plenty to talk about. We'll be fine. (laughs) We do. As I was telling listeners before you hopped on here, you know, the Bulls are in this mode right now where they're appointment television. And I kind of saw that coming. You know, I I knew that they would be a much improved product and and there's more talent on the floor. What I haven't expected, what I didn't expect, was that this team would be sitting first place in the Eastern Conference. How stunned are you right now with where the Chicago Bulls are at here on January 6th? I don't think I'm stunned. Um, I I definitely didn't think they would be atop the Eastern Conference or even second or third or within a couple games of the top of the Eastern Conference. I figured. More realistically, they would be middle of the pack, which I guess my expectations were also above a lot of the pundits, you know, preseason who had them as a a play-in tournament team, if that. Um, So, I mean, I'm not stunned. I saw the talent was there. I thought the talent was more than they were given credit for to begin with. But uh, it's a pleasant surprise that they're atop the East. What has been the biggest shock for you just on the roster? Because I know, again, they have a lot of talent, but the acquisition of DeMar DeRozan was panned and 
Um, but what's what surprised you with the additions made to this roster? It's definitely all the found money in the in the rotation pieces <laughs> adapt there. Javante Greens, Derek Jones Jr., um, even even Io DeSumo performing the way that he has. It's those guys that have stepped up and really propelled this team to where it's at. Because let's be realistic, for as good as Damar and Zach have been and Vooch has been recently, uh, if if those role guys how, don't play as well as they have, the Bulls aren't leading the Eastern Conference, and we're not talking about them being potential contenders. Well, I mean, that's a good point you bring up because – it's almost like all those guys have hit. I, the only two that didn't was the uh, the two Johnsons, as I called it, because, you know, I'm, I'm very immature. I, the, Stanley and Alizé Johnson were really the only two guys that didn't really click from the, the people that AK and Mark Eversley acquired. But, I mean, all these other role pieces, you mentioned, you know, Derek Jones Jr. has been a, a – I mean, a lot of people were – I think encouraged by the athleticism, but I think he's even kind of outperformed what I thought he was going to bring to the to the floor. Uh, Javante Green's been a, a great addition. Bringing him back's been a pleasant surprise. Alex Caruso, that I think is probably the key signing to me this season. And I, DeMar DeRozan, you can't say enough what he's brought to the table. I mean, that's somebody who's going to be an MVP candidate, but you know he's always had all-star caliber play. Somebody like Alex Caruso, though, I don't know if I was expecting the level of energy he brought to the bench. And I think somebody else, Io DeSumo, definitely somebody that I never would have thought would be a key rotational player. I mean, just think about some of the plays he's made in this winning streak, right? It's been quite a an impact from a rookie, which you usually don't expect those kind of things. No, I mean, you know, Alex Caruso... I didn't mention him because I, even though Alex Russo comes off the bench in most cases, if the lineup is healthy, he comes off the bench. I still consider him to be on the same level as, as your 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 uh, your starters on the team because we just we knew he was going to provide that. I mean, if you had watched him in LA, you knew that he was going to provide that. A lot of people didn't, and a lot of people didn't understand the signing. It didn't take long, like what a week of watching him play before everybody was like, oh. Yeah, okay, that's why they loved him so much in Los Angeles. But, you know, Tasumu for sure, uh, he's just developed so quickly. He's just such a mature basketball player for his age. You know what's really scary to think about, too, is that of Io Tasumu and Kobe White, Io Tasumu is the older player. Like, I can't wrap my, my, my head around that because you think, well, Kobe's been in the league longer. But Io Tasumu, you know, he, came out as a junior and that also I think goes into you know Kobe White I mean I, we've been kind of waiting for for him to be productive I mean he's coming back from an injury he then goes on the COVID list but in this latest stretch I mean he's giving you that I think pop that you've been looking for and I guess it's got some people though wondering is this somebody that you keep for this this season because I, I think some of us in Bulls Nation, and I, I think I've kind of been in this camp too. I've, I've been looking at him as a potential trade chip, and now I'm not sure. Do I want this production to come off the bench and really provide a spark for the Bulls, or do I want to potentially use this as a trade chip? I mean, where do you fall with with Kobe White right now this season? 
I think there's a little bit of recency bias uh, when it, when it comes to Kobe White. I mean, he's been playing very well as of late. How long it can last, I guess that's a, just a, a different question completely than whether I would want to trade him or not. I don't think that the Bulls want to trade him. Whether we, me, you or I think that we should trade him this season, I, you listen to Arturis Karnaschovas on the score this morning, and mm. I, I don't get the sense that he wants to trade anybody from this roster at this point. I think that he's open to listen, and if the right offer comes along, obviously, you know, he's got a track record of being calculatedly aggressive, but I don't think he's trying to sell anybody here on this team. I think he wants to see this team be completely healthy and in the roles that they envision him in for a longer stretch of time. Yeah, and I got that I got that same feeling too listening to the score this morning. He was on with Moley and Hall on six seventy the score and you know he definitely he said that he wants to see how far this can go. And I mean, he also said he wants to make some noise, which kind of gives me that feeling that he wants to make some addition, but could it be a low level addition, something like a, a veteran role player that you can get maybe for peanuts close to the deadline, or even the guys that come through the buyout market. Can you add somebody like, I'll use the hypothetical if the Spurs decided that uh, they wanted to buy out Thaddeus Young and you can get Fad Young back as a role player. I mean, that's certainly something I could definitely see as a good fit on this team. So that's like my feeling too. I think he's looking at it more like what kind of small impact can we make and see if we can get the most out of this unit. And then, you know, 2023 season, we try to maybe make more additions through the trade market or in free agency. Yeah, I see. That's the thing with the Bulls is they just don't really have – we don't really have much to give up. Like that's the exactly. thing that concerns me about the longevity of all of this. You know, with is with DeRozan and Vooch, you know, they're getting into their they're in their early going on to their mid thirties now. And I mean DeRozan doesn't look like he's slowing down this year, but this is we've seen this before. And I you know, you knock on wood and you hope not, but next year might be a whole different story. He True. could fall off. You know, he could fall off cliff from what he's doing this year. Even if he regressed more towards the means, his career averages, that's still not what he's doing this year. And it changes the dynamic of the team. But there's just not there's just not a lot of not a lot to pull from if you're trying to extract value from other teams on the trade market. Yeah. There's a lot that's brought up. I know um, you know, Morton Jensen's brought this up from uh, Forbes. It's brought up trade proposals to go get somebody like Harrison Barnes or Jeremy Grant. And and he usually centers the trade around Patrick Williams and usually like a salary piece like a Derek Jones Jr. And heck, if that's all it took to get a Harrison Barnes or a, again, a Jeremy Grant and you add that piece to your roster, I mean, I might pull the trigger, but I don't know if that's all it would take. I think there would have to be some draft capital thrown in. I think that's where it gets a little tricky for the Bulls. I think that I think you're right. I think that's if that's what it was, definitely consider pulling the trigger. But I don't know that that does the trick for them. I don't know that yeah. that's enough. And if you if you go beyond, you know, a Derek Jones Jr. or and Pat Williams as the headliner, you can mix and match the piece behind Pat Williams or even interchange Pat Williams and Kobe White. But if you're going beyond two other current players on their roster and you're getting into draft capital as well now for a player like Harrison Barnes or a player like Jeremy Grant, then I, I start to hesitate as to 
what are you're doing what you're doing to the team's depth you know i mean you're you're definitely loading up for a run this year if you do that but yeah i mean you're also the, look at the warriors right now in yeah. the west i mean even if you make it out of the east and i think the bulls have a legitimate chance to make it out of the east but you run into the warriors in a seven game series the way that the warriors are playing this year it might not matter who you traded for Hmm. So you do think, as currently constructed, they can make a run out of the Eastern Conference? You think this is a true Eastern Conference contender, as constructed? Yeah, I mean, why not? Look at uh, look at the Suns last year rolling through the West. Nobody thought the Suns were going to roll through the West. I mean, uh, Atlanta went to the Eastern Conference Finals last year. They're in. They're not even in the. I mean, playing nowhere near that level this year. Think teams can still go on runs. You know, a lot of times people in the NBA look at NBA roster construction and they always say that you have to have, uh, you know, multiple superstars on your roster. And to a certain extent, that's true. If you want to compete year in and year out and be considered a, a top contender when the odds open every year. But you look at the way that this team is playing right now is presently constructed. If they can stay healthy, or get healthy because you know we've had the last month and a half has been iffy there, but they've they've battled through it. If Dermar DeRozan and Zach Levine and Nikola Vucevic and the rest of these depth guys can stay healthy and play at the level they're playing right now, I don't see any reason why they can't make a run through the Eastern Conference. Really, nobody in the Eastern Conference that scares me in a seven-game series with this team performing as it is right now. We talked about adding a little bit to the roster. So I, I mentioned like the veteran buyout guys. We talked a little bit about you know, Harrison Barnes, Jeremy Grant. Is there something that you would want to add to the roster? What would need to be added to this to this team to kind of give them that little punch? Size under the rim. Mm. I think that's the one thing they truly lack right now is size under the rim, especially behind Vooch. You know, Tony Bradley's yeah. done what's been asked of him so far, but Tony Bradley, you know, that's not, that's, that's the way that I feel like immediately you, you look at and that's the guy we need to replace. If we're going to add something, that's the one we need to replace right now. Uh, and so rim protection is interesting because when you do look at the competition ahead for the Bulls, right, we start talking the playoff picture. That's, I think, the question that's going to pop up if you have to face a team like, you know, the Philadelphia 76ers. Who's going to go head-to-head with, with Joel, Joel Embiid? And, and Vooch might be able to do it for some stretches, but you're going to need somebody else to, to do that. Um, now, I, I don't know if this is traditional rim protection, but, again, there's a name out there. Um, with the Milwaukee Bucks waving DeMarcus Cousins. And I think it surprised a lot of people because he's played well on his 10-day contract or his limited contract with the Bucks. Is that somebody that you would consider adding? I mean, that adds another element, too, of maybe giving you a body to go head-to-head with some of these bigger guys in the East. It also gives you, though, some half-court flexibility on offense, like a guy that can stretch the floor a little bit and create his own shot down low and might be able to spell Vooch a little bit. Um, is that something you'd be interested in or does some of the character issues and other things kind of worry you? You know, the character issues, let me put it this way. They're there, they're documented, they've been there, but it wouldn't stop me. I mm-hmm. I think that this locker room is strong enough and has enough leadership presence that even, even if, DeMarcus Cousins came in and started to rub people the wrong way. He would be gone. He'd be gone. He, he wouldn't stick around. They would get rid of him. He's going to be on a, you know, on a minimal deal and just for the rest of the season. But I don't think he's going to come in and, and rub people the wrong way. I think he, if he, 
get if they sign him right now, he understands what it is. It's January sixth. He's coming there to help them make a run. Period. I mean, mm-hmm. so he's he's going to have a job, and that's going to be to be give the Bulls size under the rim behind Vooch, which they desperately need. And you brought up brought up a great point. Philadelphia. Philadelphia is a perfect team where like we lost to him twice while they were beat up and going through COVID. Like we just didn't have the size to compete with them under the rim. And, you know, think of it like this, too. You're keeping him away from a team also within the Eastern Conference. Like, the Bulls have to also start thinking like that, too. Like, are there guys that can help us win now and also keep them off of teams that could get in our way in the playoff picture? That's an excellent point. I mean, Milwaukee waves him. Okay, so Milwaukee chose to have roster flexibility over keeping him. That's fine. Great. Milwaukee's a team that we'd have to contend with in the playoffs. You go take... DeMarcus Cousins up the market. Milwaukee doesn't have him now. You have him. Philadelphia, if they need him down the stretch, they can't get him. Brooklyn, if they need him down the stretch, they're not going to get him. It's it's an excellent point. I mean, even if even if his contributions are somewhat minimal on your roster, just keeping him away from other teams and keeping him from hurting you in the playoffs is is a win in itself. Mm-hmm. See, I want to go back to something you said about the locker room, and I, and I didn't stress this too, but I think you're 100% on with I think the way this locker room is constructed like this unit seems like it's pretty tight where if DeMarcus Cousins did come in I I think I think they can get the most out of him and and by all accounts he seems like a good teammate I don't think that's ever really been the issue with him you know it's it's been more of an authority issue right it's been with the media it's been with authority yeah I don't I think you'd be fine I think DeMar DeRozan's one of the most well-respected players in the NBA hands down so i think he commands that locker room and i highly doubt that with with damar in that locker room that there would be any friction with boogie so as we start to wrap up here i'm going to ask you this question because you brought up uh brought up damar DeRozan there um and you know i shame on me for not maybe talking more about him in our conversation so far but i feel like hey any bulls podcast is probably talking about damar DeRozan right now we all know he's good, right? He's, I mean, leading all guards and in, in voting in the all-star race right now uh, in the Eastern Conference, which I think is a testament to a lot of Bulls fans out there. And I think he's, you know, pretty popular player around the league. He had the two clutch shots on New Year's Eve, New Year's Day. But do you think he could sustain, and you mentioned him, you know, maybe petering off starting next year, but do you think he can sustain this level of production right now? And, and could he possibly be an MVP candidate by the time the season's done. Not saying he's going to win it, but be an MVP candidate by the time the season wraps up. Yeah, I think starting with the MVP, without a doubt, he's an MVP candidate. He's in the conversation, top five, maybe even three or four. I don't see any chance of him winning it just because, you know, I I don't know, maybe that's just me being a cynical Bulls fan. You know, I, I don't think he's going to he's going to win it. But um, I think he definitely deserves it. If he did win it, it would be deserving. It wouldn't be unfair. I'll put it that way. As far as his longevity is concerned with this season, you know, I guess all we could do is just knock on wood, right? I mean, he, mm-hmm. looks, like he's, he looks like he's humming along, and we just have to hope that nothing freak pops up. You know, he just, he, lower body, you know, what a guy who's 32, ankles, knees, back, lower back. Just as long as everything keeps – he keeps on humming the way he is, it'll be fine. If – if not, 
know, what are you going to do? I don't, you can't yeah. really predict that. You're right. And one thing that I, I think is maybe not being talked about enough right now, if you end up getting that production out of Kobe White, we talked about him a little bit, you get that production out of Kobe White, there's no doubt that Kobe could pick up some minutes where you can spell DeMar in some cases. And I think if, if he continues to produce and you're getting offensive production out of DeMar DeRozan and you're still getting that high level out of Zach Levine, you don't have to worry about overusing DeMar DeRozan as we get into like the dog days of the NBA season, which February, March tend to be that time where you want to start giving guys some rest or at least managing their minutes a little bit more. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Kobe stepping up is great because, and, and then when Alex Crusoe comes back and then Lonzo gets his mm-hmm. legs under him again, and you got more, you have more backcourt depth there where Zach and DeMar can ha- play less minutes, you know, not necessarily take nights off, but just play the less minutes. I think that'll help keep them fresh as they get through those dog days. All right. So last question, you saw the results of the early voting so far with uh, NBA all-star teams. Do you think DeMar's going to be the lone all-star for the bulls or do you, do you think we're going to have more? And if so, who I think Zach's going to be there for sure. Okay. Even if I don't, I don't know if, I don't know if Zach will be able to catch uh, James Harden for that second spot. And that that's the starting spot just because um, well, first the fan voting is, is, is flawed. We know that there's nothing you can do about that unless you completely remove it. But if, for example, you know, Kyrie Irving checks in at number six uh, on the all-star voting right now, he hasn't, he's played one game, you know, you can't do anything about that unless you just take the voting away from the fans. So I feel like, you know, James Harden, the name, James Harden, James Harden being in the Brooklyn, you know, the New York, New Jersey market, he's going to continue to get votes, even if maybe Zach Levine deserves it more than him. And we just have to hope that as far as starters concerned, that the other 50% of the, the uh, starters decisions, which comes to the media and the coaches or the media and the players, um, they make the right decision. But even if he doesn't make it as a starter, I think he's still going to be there as a reserve. All right, Patrick, where can people find your work and uh, follow you on Twitter? You can follow me on Twitter at Patrick K flowers, and you can find my work at bleachernation.com. Fantastic. And again, you do a little bit of everything for Bleacher Nation, right? I do. uh, Jack of all trades over there right now. (laughs) Well, yeah, hopefully get more bulls, less bears. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, well, the bears are are wrapping up for us all. So, you know, (laughs) thankfully, (laughs) Patrick, appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on. And we'll make sure to have you back on the Rebuild the Bull podcast soon. Absolutely. Thanks a lot, man. Thank you for listening to the Rebuildable Podcast. Be sure to check us out and subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever else you stream your podcasts.